0: what's up everyone welcome to making the shift
1: where we listen to autistic voices
0: explore new therapy ideas
1: and share neurodiversity affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids
0: because we're not here to try and quote fix kids
1: we are here to love them embrace them and celebrate them for who they are i'm jesse Ginsburg, sensory integration trained slp founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in los angeles and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs.
0: And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode seven of making the shift we are here today with jamie boyle i'm so excited yes that you're yes. here so we are in the beautiful newport beach i wish you guys could see our view right now it is gorgeous and jamie and i just wrapped on our on filming for sure autism support resources for teams which is our new resource for parents professionals anyone who's trying to better support autistic kids. So we've been doing that we've had a day. We really have. Yeah. Yeah. So Jamie is an autistic SLP from Philly and we brought her all the way out here to do this work with us and it's just been so awesome. But yeah, we'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself.
2: Happy to be here. Happy to share. I, um, so like Jesse said, I am a speech language pathologist and I'm autistic. And like many female autistic individuals, I was late diagnosed. And um, I did seek a diagnosis later in life when I was working with kids um, that were autistic, and I would see just a lot of the characteristics in myself in them. Um, And so, you know, I kind of was like, okay, you know, I want to know, you know, if I am also autistic, so I did seek a formal diagnosis, just to be sure to have that differential diagnosis and know for sure. But unfortunately, there's not too many providers that specialize in this sort of thing. So once I found my provider, that actually happened to be just two blocks away from me in <laughs> Philadelphia, I was like, "This is great! This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm ready to do it." And and then um, yeah, and then just everything kind of clicked. I'm like, "Yep, yeah, that is." I have a name for it. I have a name for my experiences. And that is essentially my my diagnosis story.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's interesting, because we were talking about how, when you see kids, a lot of the times you think that parents are realizing they're autistic, as you are pointing out things about their own child. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times I will identify some characteristics that might be autism. And I think a lot of times the caregivers are like, I'm, I'm like that, or I did that as a child. And I kind of guide them on their own diagnosis journey to understanding a lot more about themselves. So it's been really cool in my experience, you know, personally, but professionally working with families, um, Autistic caregivers and their autistic children.
1: Yeah. And I think we see that a lot in our practice too. And you, we should say you own a private practice. So, yes, that's the setting you're in. But we've seen that too, where I think parents are recognizing more and more signs because they didn't know what autism looks like. Yes. Like many people.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it really is kind of mind blowing in a way because you kind of do this dance in your head like, how come no one saw this sooner? Or did I really go my entire life without knowing this about myself? You know, of course, I've always just been me. But I was, you know, I had a developmental disability and never knew it until, you know, I would say for sure, until I was formally diagnosed, but, um, you know, always struggled in school. And like, for lack of a better term, like, many times in my growing up and in graduate school, I was just lost in the sauce like I was I had no idea like what was going on what I was missing and I um and I was like I, I know there's differences I just don't have a name for that so I'm just me and I accept that but I'm so much more like sure of my own agency and my identity knowing that I'm autistic it's such an important part of who I am
1: yeah so. and did you after getting the diagnosis were did you like look back on your life and like point to different experiences and have those moments of okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. I do that all like all the time. I'm like,
2: oh yeah, that's, that's why, you know, like that's, it's so, it's just like a different level of awareness. Like, oh yeah, like that makes total sense. Got it.
1: And I was thinking about how we were all sitting around the dinner table last night and you were talking about how like you just learned what to expect, because your sisters, your mom told you, like, never show up to a house empty-handed, you're like, (laughs) check, got it, I know that, what's next, you know? Yeah,
2: well, my my older siblings were just so good with, like, teaching me the unspoken social rules, and I am a very social person, I enjoy being social to a certain extent, but I know, I'm very, like, rule-oriented, okay, got it, you know, don't show up empty-handed, you know, like, that was my upbringing, so, like, I knew what motions to take, nothing, comes naturally. I'm constantly thinking about these rules in my head at any given social event, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I struggled learning that. And that's why my sisters were like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, you got to think about this in a different way, you know, kind (laughs) of guide me through it. Like, thank God for my sisters. Yeah. Yeah, And especially like me coming, you know, I'm the youngest. So it's like, I had two older siblings to kind of lead the way and see, okay, what not to do. Okay. Now what to do?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So now that you have that diagnosis and you mentioned that it kind of provided context for you, do you feel like it was a sense of like relief and it like gave you some opportunities to look at, okay, so now that I know what it is, better seeking your own supports and things like that? Have you found? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it, was a lot definitely of positives. Like,
2: it was definitely like a big relief because I'm like, I just feel like I, that like, yes, that is exactly it. Like that makes all the, all the sense. And it really is so important to know that because that helps me be a better self advocate. And like, that is what this show is about tonight, but it's (laughs) like, you know, I feel like knowing that and what autism really is and what my experience is, it just helps me better prepare for situations when I know in the past have been completely overwhelming. Um, So yeah, absolutely.
0: I love that. Yeah, because I just because I work with high school students and a lot of my students that qualify with an eligibility, a primary eligibility of OHI, which is other health impairment for ADHD, Mm -hmm. and they have a secondary eligibility of speech language impairment. I'm noticing that there's a significant amount of those students where I'm like, okay, this is a student that's autistic that hasn't been diagnosed. But from my observation and working with them, it's exactly what you're saying. If they had that context or the family had the context, then it would answer a lot of questions. And then by answering those questions, it would make a clearer picture and lead to a better identity, like a positive self-identity, because it's like, okay, well, we know why this is going on in this context. We know why this, was interpreted differently or this emotion was felt differently or whatever that might be. So, yeah, I, I'm glad that you shared that. I think that it would be challenging sometimes in certain areas of like knowing which doctor to go to. So like in your case, it Mm -hmm. sounds like you've, you were like, I know who to go to. How did you, how did you know who to go to there? How did you know? Like, okay, this is a doctor that, you know, like for, for my knowledge on that, how did you know that this was someone who does the diagnosing and things like that for as yeah. an adult?
2: Yeah. So, and again, like specific to females, like that is who I, and I would call providers and ask those specific questions. Do you have experience in um, autistic females and diag- you know, the diagnostic um, process with females? Because even, even just in general, adult diagnosis of autism, you know, because I wanted to see, you know, if they were like, um, no, you know, Or if they said an unsure, I'm just like, not for me. Right. Because like I need a differential diagnosis. Um, and someone that understands that even, even the diagnostic criteria, right. Like it's so from an outward perspective and it's from a neurotypical lens. Right. So right. I say neurotypical, like someone, you know, who, who's observing an autistic person that, you know, has a normal brain like a normal brain person right <laughs> so like this all these diagnostic um i guess like assessments are like based from that lens so it's like you're looking for outward behaviors and outward differences when a lot of the experience is, is inside and it's you know but to go back to what you were saying before about um knowing that about yourself and your high school students knowing that about themselves it, it does open up a world of vocabulary that explains your experience and it makes you understand that it was okay to trust myself and my experience and not say you know hey it's loud in here or um and someone say no it's not that loud and it's just like actually I'm like my heart is racing because it's so <laughs> loud in here you know like just the sensory difference like I I didn't quite fully understand that until my diagnosis and I'm like okay that is why I was feeling that way and I I was, I was right to trust myself. Um, So I think that's important too, like to have the vocabulary to, uh, to express, to understand your experience, then to express your experience Um, and for caregivers
1: too. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that leads us into, you know, what we really wanted to talk to you about was developing self-advocacy and those skills that you need. And, you know, Jamie and I met because Jamie enrolled in my sensory program. (laughs) And I think, you know, through conversations we've had, it's like, now you've got your diagnosis, you know what your sensory needs are, you know, you may know what other needs are as well. And now it's just a matter of advocating for them. But, you know, what steps would you recommend people take in order to like they're they're like, okay, I want to help this child self-advocate. Like, where do I begin?
2: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that is, you know, if it if you're working with a child and you're maybe seeing some, you know, sensory differences or just some difficulties, you know, under seek to understand them first, because you you really can't become a self advocate or advocate for somebody else when you don't understand their experience. So really try to seek and understand that person's experience so that maybe you can try to offer support in a specific way. So I'm trying to think of a good example because just to kind of put it in perspective, but you know, if you see a kid, just like completely shut down and quiet You know, they might look like a good student when really they are completely overwhelmed and maybe don't have access to language at that point. But no, they're a good student. They get a good report card because, you know, they're very quiet in class and they behave. Right. But really, when you look at it, like that kid is like stressed and, you know, describing me, like (laughs) me as a kid, like completely silent, stressed, like there was too much going on in my environment, you know, to answer questions. I remember like my, uh, my mom tells me now, like, uh, you know, she's always going, you know, your teachers would call home and say, you know, Jeannie doesn't talk at all in class. It, does she talk at home? And my mom would say, yeah, she talks at home. She talks a lot at home. I I really would not say a thing. I was completely shut down because now that I know, I was just completely overwhelmed. Like there was just too much sensory going on at once to, to be able to access language or feel safe. Safety. You gotta yeah. safety first, yeah. actually. I said seek to understand, but make sure that child is feeling safer. So I say the steps would be safe, make sure they feel safe, make sure, you know, they can kind of, you know, they trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, seek to understand their differences, try some supports and see how they participate with that support and then help them by validating their experiences, giving them the words and the vocabulary for what they're feeling and experiencing or what they might be feeling and experiencing, you know, and that that kind of takes a little bit of, you know, maybe asking questions to, to really understand what they're feeling and going through. And that really will result in them having a better understanding of themselves so that they can ask for those same supports, you know? And even if it's as simple as like those noise canceling um, what e- is the ear, word? For earbuds. 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 I've always messed that word up. Earbuds. Those have been so life-changing for me. And it's such a simple little adjustment, but I mean, traveling here, I put those in on the plane because like takeoff and landing is like,
1: Oh my God. It's torture. It's loud. Yeah. And
2: it's like, and it's, you know, your whole body's moving because it's like, things are, it's just a horrible experience for me, but you know, I have those in there, in my, in there, I have those in my ears and I'm like, okay, you know, and sometimes I actually have to cover my ears too, just to kind of like prepare for that. But I'm like, okay, if I can just regulate myself a little bit longer, like tonight's not going to result in a meltdown, right? Tonight's going to result in me being able to probably relax and do the things I want to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that earlier today we were talking about how the goal of self-advocacy is to get accommodations and every person should be able to have the accommodations they need to be able to thrive in an environment. And like you were saying, you shouldn't have to like suffer all day just to then go home and melt down. It -hmm. should be, how can we be more proactive about this? What can we do now to prevent that from happening So I'd love to hear more about, like, I know you were nervous to fly here yeah. and maybe you can share some ways that you were able to like, know what you were going to need to self-advocate for yourself. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I learned the term from, it was
2: probably your sensory course or like maybe the assessment, but it was like gravitational insecurity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's why, like, that's why mm-hmm. I cannot even like before, you know, before I knew these and how to advocate and accommodate myself, but I was like, that's what I have. And that's why I feel so unsafe when my feet are not on the ground. Right. And I'm, and, and you're in an airplane and you're going and you know, you don't know what the pilot looks like. You know, you just, <laughs> there's just so many like unknown things, but I really thrive on like having a plan. Okay. And a lot of times I will ask, questions specific to the plan when I'm, when I'm preparing for something new. Um, that is self regulatory for me. Um, and I know that I'm just uncomfortable flying. So I, I have my boyfriend with me and he knows me really well. So, and he knows the whole, like I'll, I'll like grab his hand and like be squeezing it on the airplane and he'll, you know, give me a nice, Deep pressure on my legs, you know, while we're taking off and while we're landing. And that's as simple as that. No words, no talking, just that. And I'm like, okay, this is everything's fine. I'm I'm okay. You know. Uh so so yeah. So traveling is like it's never been a comfortable thing, but I I just really never understood why. And it's also
1: such an unpredictable thing yeah you know it's like you never know what the airport's gonna be like when you show up you could just show up there's no line you walk through you could show up the line is crazy and you could show up like we did for australia and not get on the flight because you didn't have your visa you never know Mm -hmm. but you were talking about how um your Mm -hmm. boyfriend got tsa pre-check but you didn't so Mm he for for went that yeah. So he goes with his me through TSA pre check, so he could stay with yeah, you know. as he better because I don't want to. Because you know, there's also a lot of
2: steps involved just in like putting what bag where my shoes where. Oh, and I pack socks because if I'm wearing like sandals, I want to make sure that my feet uh, don't touch the ground <laughs> <laughs> and like because that's also unpredictable. I'm like, oh, it's dusty and dirty. Um, but anyway, I pack socks so that I can put the socks on to go through the security check they're giving me all these instructions which is like a lot of and they're like ma'am this that and I'm like okay sunglasses go in a separate bin and my my boyfriend's like let me you know I you know let me I'll help you this with this and then we put the things where they have to go I put my socks on I walk through I throw the socks out (laughs) and then um and then we're through and that's one step of the entire like that's one thing traveling and then it's like now we gotta find the rental car place oh the bus is so loud like when they put that brake on what is that thing like that like yeah or like the or the the one that's (laughs) like like it's like yeah yeah, that what is that thing that always like scares me and like it it makes my heart race it's just like it's such an uncomfortable feeling but i'm like always those those noise canceling things just because i know there's going to be so much unpredictable noise but
0: yeah Gosh, and it's just thinking about that at an airport when you have to transport from, yeah, even in the airplane, but over to the bus, you're right with the loud sounds. And then you're in an environment with a lot of people. Yes. And I think that advocacy piece is a huge piece where sometimes in those things, you know, you get surrounded by so many people, you you know, you've got Mm -hmm. these bags and it's one of those things where, you know, advocating for asking if you could sit down somewhere or, hey, you mind if I you know, step on through to this side or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah the airport just seems like it would present so many
1: yeah, the um, airport things to just, think about yeah. beforehand. And I'm even curious about like What are things that happen to you just daily, like in daily life that you feel like you have to be prepared for?
2: Okay, so like I live on a very historic street in Philadelphia that seems to always have construction and very unpredictable Mm -hmm. construction. Just a couple weeks ago, there were three separate construction projects going on on my street. And I was (laughs) like, this is my nightmare and sensory violation. So, you know, um, even just like walking my dog down the street, I'm like, okay, you know, I got to put on these, these noise canceling your pods to say it
1: right your buzz, right. your, but no. I
2: said it wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your buzz. That's right. Okay. Um, to go down there and, um, you know, and it is like busy and it's just unpredictable, but I was, I think I had mentioned another point, like, even when I go to my same coffee shop, I usually order the same exact thing every time, but even that it's variable, the noise, the people in the coffee shop is going to vary. So it's like, I kind of prepare in my head, the script I'm going to say, because Like I had mentioned before, like when, for me and a lot of autistic individuals, when you have sensory overwhelm, it's so hard to not only process language, but to, to, to get language out, like to express, you know, to access language. Mm -hmm. So I prepare scripts in my head, which I've done and did not realize was everybody didn't do that. I always have like a running script that I can just grab when I need it you know, Mm -hmm. in those situations when I'm super overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, it's funny because just in me asking you that, like, what's something in the day to day that you need to prepare for? It's like, you cannot predict. That's Mm -hmm. the point. It's like, you can't predict what's going to happen in a day. There is no way you could possibly walk out of the house feeling like, you know, 100% what's going to happen that day. So it really is, like you said, just about knowing what your needs are and then being able to. Uh, be prepared. Yeah.
2: Cause like this might happen
1: or, yeah. you
2: know, going to a doctor's office, like, you know, this might happen there where the lights make sounds and are so distracting. And then you forget what you wanted to express there. So definitely that's a, that's a, a heavy script environment for me. Um, and a lot of times because my, I'm still kind of working on my self-advocacy skills and my interoception skills, like identifying a feeling with either a word or emotion or, trying to pinpoint exactly what I'm feeling when, like, and I know that interoception sense, a lot of autistic individuals, um, it's, it's something that we need to develop that does not come naturally.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just been so awesome having you here and the conversations we've been able to have over the last 24 hours. And I'm so glad everyone gets to hear from you too. And, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the show, Jamie and I just wrapped filming autism support resources for teams So, if you want to hear more about Jamie's perspective, that is still on presale. The price is about to be going up, but you can still get it on the presale price. And we cover sensory Mm -hmm. self advocacy, special interests, validation, yeah, validation, emotional regulation, intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, we cover a lot. Yeah. And the purpose of that resource is for either parents or professionals to be able to take these resources and present them to the teams that they're working with. Because a lot of the times, you know, especially for us as SLPs, we only get so much time with professionals. Mm-hmm. We cannot, and usually if we're working with an autistic child, they've got a whole team mm-hmm. on their side and we just don't have time every week to call them and be like, here, let me teach you about how you can get him intrinsically motivated. Let me teach you about emotional regulation you know so this is really just meant to be kind of a a pull and send resource so that you can help educate others around you in more neurodiversity affirming practices so um you can head to sensoryslp.com if you want to check out that resource that's available to you and it's just been so awesome getting yeah. to know you. I'm just so yeah. grateful you're here with us. I'm we happy. Just can't to be thank here. you enough. Yeah. But yes,
0: absolutely. Thank
1: you. All right, we are headed out to dinner, guys. But um, we hope you have an awesome evening. And thank you so much to you guys for being here.
0: Yes, and thank you so much, Jamie, for thank making you. the uh, the flight out here to good old California. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for your insight.
1: All right, everyone. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.